Well, this week I was telling the pastors, you know, I, Joanna was in there, and I said, you know, I've been preaching the last two weeks on the exchange. And she, after the meeting, she said, Pastor, I started to, you know, correct you in front of everybody. I said, you had not been preaching on the exchange two weeks. You've been preaching on it for three years. <laughs> so, okay, okay. But you know what? If we don't understand exchange, we have no life. You know, I don't know if you know it, but today I want to talk about living by the life of another. Living by the life of another. You know, the old covenant was a covenant with God. The new covenant is a covenant in God. There's a difference. Because we are in God. We are living by the life of another. But you can't live that life until you what? You're dead. You know when Jesus went to that cross, who was that cross made for? Barabbas. That was Barabbas' cross that he was hung on. And we are Barabbas. He took that cross for us. And basically the scripture says, what did Paul say in Galatians 2.20? I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. What is he saying? I'm living my life by the life of Christ. Christ is living in me, and I'm living in him. See, the new covenant is living the life of God in God. It was an exchange. God was in Christ exchanging the world for himself. God made Jesus to be sin for us who knew no sin. When Jesus went to the cross, saints, God said, your sins and your iniquities, what? Will I remember no more. When Jesus went to the cross, we went to the cross, and every sin, everything in the world that we had against us was nailed on the cross with him. But not only that, when he went to the grave, everything we are and have been went to the grave with him. When he was buried, everything we were and everything in the past went down with him. And when he came up, everything that was us stayed there. And we was brought up in the newness of life to live our life in him. Because in him we live. In him we move. In him we have our being. We are. It says in him we live and move and have our being. The Greek says we are. In him we are. Apart from him there is no are. That's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. He is our covenant. And we are his. In Ephesians chapter 1. I want us to start there today. Living by the life of another. Paul verse 1. Ephesians 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints, which Ephesus, to the faithful, where? What does that say? How many of you have just read in Christ many times and never realized that when he says in Christ, there's a reason? The reason we're in Christ is because apart from Christ, there is no us. Because we were buried and we were raised in Christ. So now we are living by the life of Christ. He is our life. I don't know if you think about it, but 2 Corinthians 5.14, when Paul said this, he says, the love of God is shed abroad in our heart because we judge this, that if one died for all, 
Then all died. How many died? And that they that died should no longer live for themselves, but for him that died and rose again. So we're in him. Therefore, we don't know anyone after the flesh anymore. Because if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, and we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. We were exchanged. And you know those songs we sang today, they sound profound. But every one of them is the truth of exactly the way that God sees us. Now I want you to look at this. This is God's plan from before the foundation of the world. Listen to this. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. What is this? He's already done it. He already hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus that shall ever be and ever will be. We've already been blessed with it. Just like Eric was saying about the Father. He said to the, the elder brother, everything I have is yours. Listen, we're in him. 1 Corinthians 6 says, glorify God in your body and your spirits, which is God's. He owns us. He paid the price for us. You know, what does ransom mean? To buy back. We've been redeemed. We've been bought back. We're not our own. We bought with a price. So glorify God in your body and your spirit, which is God's. You with me? All right, then he goes on to say, according as he has chosen us in where? In Christ. Now look at that. In Christ. Apart from Christ, we're not. He has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. What? He chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world. That what? Listen to this. That we should be holy without blame before him in, in love. That we should be holy and without blame. Remember the song when it told us what we were? We were holy. We were righteous. We were without blame before him. He made us that way in Christ before the foundation of the world. Having what? Predestinated us. I know that's a big word for some of us. We don't like that word. But you know all that word means predetermined. He predetermined before the foundation of the world when he was setting all this out that we would be holy and without blame before him in his son in love. He predetermined that. Under the adoption of, chi of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Adoption of children. That word, to place as a son. We have been placed as a son in Christ before God. According to the good pleasure, whose will? His will. To the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made. Is that past tense? He hath made us accepted in the beloved. Past tense. That 30, 20-something years ago when he told me, son... I have made you accepted. Who in the world can reject you? And that word hath made us accepted. The word is highly favored. God made us highly favored before the foundation of the world in Christ Jesus. That we should be holy and without spot or wrinkle before him in love. That's incredible, saints. That's incredible. Made us accepted. In whom we have redemption. We've been paid for through the blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, 
wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom, prudence, having made known the mystery of his will, according to the good pleasure which he purposed in himself. What? That in the dispensation, the fullness of time, when all this wraps up, he might gather together where? In one, in Christ. Sits all in Christ. All right, all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on the earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being what? Predetermined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ, in whom also you trusted, that you heard the word of truth of the gospel of your salvation, whom also that you believed you were sealed, stamped, with that Holy Spirit promise, which is the earnest of the inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of the glory. Wherefore, I also heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and all the saints. I cease not to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory from eternity, may give unto you the spirit of what? Wisdom. And revelation in the knowledge of what he had planned for you before the foundation of the world. This is not a hindsight. And he says, The eyes of your standing, being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, and what is the riches and the glory of his inheritance in the saint, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, who he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principalities' power. How far? Far above all principalities' power, might, dominion, and every name that's named, not only in this world, but that which has come and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. And who is that? Us. The fullness of him that fills all in all. When we say we are the body of Christ, saints, that is right. It's his body that we are. Why is that? Because we're in him. And it says the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. It's the eyes of your heart. Your heart being enlightened. To know what he's freely given to us. And then you look. And you who were dead in trespasses and sins. Where in times past you walked according to this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. We've been made to sit where? High above all that. Now works in the children of disobedient, among whom you also you had our conversation in time past. You see the had? The lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath. What did it come by? Your nature. But God, who is rich in mercy, with great love, where he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together, where? With Christ. By grace are you saved through faith. And has raised us up, He's going to raise us up someday, right? Okay, he already has. He hath already raised us up together and made us set together in heavenly places in Christ. Now, I want to show you something. You know when I, what the Greek says when it says he's raised us up to set together with him? Now, don't picture yourself sitting in your little chairs around him. You're sitting in the very seat he's sitting in. I know your natural mind's going to scream about this, but we're seated in him, with him right now, at the right hand of the Father. Because we're in him. We've been made to sit together in him in heavenly places. Right now. Oh, now don't shut me down. 
that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship. What are we? Created where? In Christ. To do what? To do good works. We do good works because of who we are, not to become who we are. It's just a natural thing to do good works because of who we are and who he's made us to be. See, all of that's a done deal. See, we, we talked last week about Romans, but I want to read Romans 5 again. Romans chapter 5. Oh, thank you, Lord. It says in verse 6, For when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for what? The ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will die, yet peradventure some, uh, for a good man some would dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Why is that? Because Jesus was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. God already had this thing planned out before the foundation of the world. And he says, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Christ. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled or exchanged to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled or exchanged, we will be saved by his life. How were we saved? By his life. Yes, new resurrected life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the word atonement. There is exchange. We have already now received the what? Exchange, atonement. We have been exchanged in him, in Christ Jesus, right now. See, this is something. We cannot separate Christ's death for our sin from us. He died for us. And his sin was our sin. You can't separate that. But I want to tell you something. Neither can you separate his death from your death. Neither can we separate his resurrection from our resurrection. His ascension for our ascension. His being seated at the right hand of the Father for our ascension and being seated at the right hand. Why? Because we're living by the life of another. And this is what the scriptures teach us. That's why Paul said what he did about I'm crucified. The Christian life is not a changed life. It is an exchanged life. The word reconciliation is exchanged. God exchanged our sin for his righteousness. And I want to tell you, saints, you'll never be more righteous than you were the first day you asked him to come into your heart. You were made the very righteousness of God that he planned for you before the foundation of the world so that he would not see sin or iniquity anymore. Amen. For by one offering, Jesus took care of sin forever for us in the new creation. And we see that in, in 1 John, he that hath the Son hath what? Life. And he that hath not the Son hath not life. So if you got life, where'd you get it? He gave it to you. And if we don't have life, it's because we hadn't received that life. In another scripture, it says he is our life, Colossians 3.1. If you be risen with Christ, that's what we're talking about. If you're in him, set your mind on things above, for you're dead, buried, and you've been risen with him. And when Christ, who is your life, what is your life? In him. He is your life. Now get it. He is your everything. He is your life. 
when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with him in glory. Ephesians 2.14, it says he is our peace. If you got the peace that passes all understanding, where did you get it? He gave it to you. My peace I give to you. It's not another peace. It's not a phony peace. It's his peace. The Prince of Peace. Why? Because you're living in the Prince of Peace. And the Prince of Peace is living in you. Come on. See, that's the gospel truth. It's an exchange life that we're living by. Now, the problem is the carnal mind is enmity, hostile against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither will can it ever be. That's why we have to what? But we have, the first Corinthians says, we have the mind of Christ. Where did we get it? In him. We have a new mind. Sounds too good to be true, Pastor. That's exactly why it's the truth. He said he came into the world. He was a light that came into the world. And he is the light that lighteth every man in this world. If you got light, where did you get it? In him. If you don't have light, you're not in him. And men love darkness rather than what? Because their deeds are evil. That's the old man. He doesn't have any light. And you once were children of darkness, but now you're children of light. So walk as what? Children of light. See, it's an exchange. Remember 1 Corinthians 6, verse 9? Know ye not, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom, neither fornicators, adulterers, effeminate, homosexuals, covetous, thieves, all that stuff, shall inherit the kingdom. And such were some of you. What's the word? But you've been washed. You've been sanctified. You've been justified. What does that word justified mean? It's your life. He is your life. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and what? Oh, I know. In the resurrection, my brother will live. He said, you don't understand. No, you don't understand. See, I think sometimes we don't understand. We're waiting for something someday that will be when it already is. When Jesus rose from the grave, we rose with him, and he was resurrection to us immediately because we ain't going to have any more life than we already got. He is our life. He is our resurrection. He is the way. He is the truth, and he is the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. It's living and abiding in him, in our resurrected new life. Man, is that good? I'm going to tell you, you just get beside yourself. God raised Christ from the dead and set him in his right hand and far above all principalities and dominions and everything that's named, not only this world but that which has come and gave him to be head over all things and put everything under his feet. What is everything? Everything. everything. Even the last enemy that shall be destroyed is what? So if he took care of the last enemy when he says, I am he that liveth and was dead and behold, I'm alive forevermore and have the keys of death and hell. If he's already got the keys of death and hell, and it says in Ephesians 2 that he destroyed him that hath the power of death and, and took from him the keys of death so that we no longer have to live in fear of death because the last enemy has been destroyed. And he sat down expecting his enemies to make made his footstool. Far above all that stuff. And where are we seated together with him? So there's not an enemy in this world that can hurt you as long as you're in Christ. Amen. That's the truth. 
Praise God. You know, 1 Corinthians one twenty nine. it says, but of him. Let's look at that. 1 Corinthians one twenty nine. I want you to see this. There's too many people thinking they've got to do something for God to accept and love them, you know, and all these things you've got to do. He says here in, in, in 1 Corinthians one twenty six. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty or noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things that are mighty. The base things of the world, the things which are despised, has he chosen, yea, the things that are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that what? No flesh will glory in his presence. How many flesh? But look, but of him. Now, when was that of him? I think it was before the foundation of the world. But of him... Are you in Christ? Who put you in Christ? When did he do that? He predetermined before the foundation of the world, Jerry, that you would be in Christ. No flesh will glory in his presence, but of him are you in Christ. God put you there. Who of God, who of God, say of God, is made... That word's constructed any way you get it. God constructed you in Christ before the foundation of the world unto us in wisdom. Right? He's made us wise. He's made us righteous. He's made us sanctified and redeemed. That according as it is written, let him glory, glory in the Lord. Most people think sanctification is a process. I want to tell you, every place you find the word sanctification, it's a done deal. He has made you holy. He has made you sanctified. He sanctified us and set us apart. By one offering, he has sanctified forever those that are in him. We have been sanctified once for all. We've been set apart in the new creation. Yeah, there is a growing process. We talked about that in the coffee shop this morning. Well, you're all growing. Yeah, we are. But I want to tell you something. Here's the difference. You've been born again of an incorruptible seed. You're a newborn babe. Now that newborn babe's got to know what it means to grow up in a new creation. You've got to grow now. Now that is, a, to some degree, a, a, a growing process into the fullness of him. As we grow, we become more like him, 2 Corinthians 3.18. As we beholding in the mirror, the image of Christ are being conformed into that very image, even as by the Spirit of God. We've got to grow up into who we are. By the Holy Ghost. He's taken the things of Christ. And looky here, Ross. This is that image that he's made for you to be before the foundation of the world. Holy, without blame, and without spot before him in love. That's incredible. You see the difference between the new covenant and the old covenant? It isn't for us. It is. It, Christ is your new covenant. He is your life. He is your everything. He's your peace. He's everything. You find one thing, he's not for you. If it's not, he, it's not yours. He's given us everything that pertains to life and what? Godliness through Christ. You know, I remember one time I was, I was reading this in, in, in Luke. I want you to see John the Baptist's dad was prophesying about what Jesus was going to do when he came. First, Luke 1 says, when Christ is come, <clears throat> verse 69, he hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which since the world began, that, listen, he's come to save us from our enemies 
and from all that hate us. To perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his covenant, the oath which he swore unto Abraham our father, that he would grant to us that we, being delivered out of the hands of our enemies, what? Being delivered, hath delivered us. And he says, and might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life when we get to heaven. No, we're going to serve him in righteousness and holiness and without fear every day of our life. All the days of our life. Verse 77 says to give the knowledge of salvation to his people, the remission of their sins. See, that's all part of what he's already done through the tender mercy of God whereby the day spring from high has visited us to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the way of what? Peace. You know why the peace? It's because you realize there's nothing left for you to do but to receive the Prince of Peace and walk in peace. At Jesus' death. You know, you, you look at this. Second Timothy 2.13 says, If we believe not, he abides faithful. He cannot deny himself. He's already done it. He's already taken care of. There is not a third man. There are two families, Adam and Christ. Adam and Christ. Just get that settled. There is an Adam man and there's a Christ man. There's not a third man. You're either in Adam or you're in Christ. By Jesus' death, the old Adam nature was completely wiped out. There will never be another Adam. When Christ as the last Adam, say last Adam. What does last mean? There'll never be another one. Now you've got to see this in the spirit, what he's talking about. See, God took care of this from the foundation of the world, that when his son came, he is the last Adam. And he says, as the last Adam, when Jesus went to the grave, we were included with him. Christ carried the whole Adamic nature into the grave, the whole family, and over it God pronounced the end. But Christ as the second man, when he came up again, that came out of that grave, he became the life source of another new creation. That's us. What does the scripture say? He was the firstborn among what? Many more. He was the first fruit among what? Many more. It's a whole new deal. It's a whole new deal. It's an exchange. It's not about sitting up here preaching to you for 30 years trying to get you to change something. That old corruptible seed can never be changed. The only answer is what? A new seed. 1 Peter 2.22 says what? Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth to unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently, being born again, not of a corruptible seed, but an incorruptible seed by the word of God that lives and abides forever. It's the word of life. It's the word of life. Remember what it said in the book of Acts when he told him to come, got him out of prison? Go and stand in the te- temple and preach to all the people the words of this life. What is it? It's the word of life. Jesus is the word of life. And so, 
You see that? Born again, not of a corrupt. How did you purify your hearts? I got news for you. Too many people. I tried it for 30 years. To, no, not that long. But a long time. I tried to purify my heart. Until I realized Ezekiel 36, 26, if you don't have it marked, mark it. He gives you a new heart and a new spirit. Takes away that stony heart and he'll give you a heart of flesh. And then he, he's going to give you a new spirit and he's going to put the Holy Spirit in and cause you to walk what? In the newness of life. What kind of deal is that? You got a new mind. You got a new heart. And not only that, you got a new will because it's his will. Jesus said in the volume of the books it is written, I come to do what? To do your will, O God. It was new. Regeneration is not a change life. It's an exchange life. You remember the Great Reformation? It should have been called the Great Reformation. Recreation. Should have been the new recreation. Because that's what it was. It wasn't reform. It was exchange. See, reformation means you're reforming something. I'm telling you, it's bigger than reformation. It's restoration. It's recreation. It's an exchange life. Regeneration is simply to cast off the dirty, corrupted life and exchange it with a new one. Christianity is not a change of outward behavior, but it's an exchange of an inward life. Christianity is not a change of outward behavior, but an exchange of an inward life. It's the seed that makes the difference. Too long we've tried to reform our lives. And what happens when someone sins or gets in trouble? We put them in a reformatory. What happens when somebody breaks the law? We put them in jail to reform them. How much luck have we had? The answer is not reformation. It's what? An exchange life. Living by the life of another. That's the only way it'll ever work. You can improve yourselves. Are we as a church trying to reform? I'm not talking about just us. Are we trying to reform our lives or receive Christ's life? Are we trying to improve ourselves or exchanging ourselves and our lives for another? 1 Thessalonians 5.23 The God of all peace sanctify you wholly, completely, and I pray, God, your whole spirit, soul, and body will be preserved blameless when he comes. Why? He's already exchanged it all. It's paid for. Then it says, faithful is he who called you, who will also do it. Who has also done it. Because all of it's past tense. The only thing left is one of these days, 1 Corinthians 15. I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. But we shall be exchanged. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. That this old corruptible body will be exchanged because of the seed that's in us. Of an incorruptible body. We'll have a new body. Amen? Amen. That's all it's lacking. And how long is that going to take? When the trumpet blows? That quick. We've got a brand new body to go with everything else. Is that a deal? Well, whew. Eric, come on up. <laughs>